0: In the not too distant present, on a Skype call, happening, there was was a a guy guy named and pretty different from all you.
1: Fox,
2: (laughs) (laughs) tell us about Rift Tracks Live.
0: Yes, uh, so I went to Rift Tracks Live tonight and saw Samurai Cop.
1: It was was
0: it was very good. Um, I've, I've had a very, I've had a very MST3K sort of, uh, past few weeks.
1: Yeah? Oh, that's true, because it wasn't all that long ago you went and saw, uh, Trace and Trace Below and Frank Conniff.
0: Yep, that was only a, that was was only a few days ago. (laughs) And I went to Riff Tracks Live tonight, and it was, uh, uh, fantastic, fantastic riff.
1: Excellent. Uh, the they the riffing of the live shows is usually pretty on point.
0: Oh yeah, it was super good. Great short. Um,
1: All the shorts are always the best. What was the short?
0: It, it was about minding your manners, oh. and it it was in the <laughs> same it was in the same genre of like uh, a case of spring fever, in that it was it was about a little kid who was supposed to clear uh, chalk off of a blackboard. And he draws his own character, and it comes to life. And his name is Chalky. And Chalky oh, of him.
2: course it is.
0: Chalky teaches him the importance of manners. <laughs> no, manners! <laughs> and then once he's, once he's taught him, uh, the little boy has to erase him off the blackboard. So it ends... It, it, it was sort of like Mr. Meeseeks, because the short ended with, like... <laughs> Essentially, the chalk drawing begging to die. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the hell!
0: That is unfortunate for uh, Chalky the Chalkman. I think, but things... no. Sam- Samurai Cop is amazing, and I've seen the riff they did on it for uh, on the regular riff tracks site before. But it wasn't until like I googled it when I got home that I, I realized that due to its cult popularity, a sequel to Samurai Cop was made in 2015. What? What? And uh, it stars the original, the original guy <laughs> and his original partner. And it got such a cult following and they knew they were a bad movie that got a cult following uh-huh. that they got Tommy Wiseau to play the main villain. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. So I am, I am literally downloading that right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, my God.
1: Because I have to see that. This sounds amazing.
2: Oh, I love that this exists. Although, uh, we didn't see it tonight. Uh, We knew about it, but um, uh, there's been a lot going on lately. But uh, both David and I are excited to see the Doctor Who one. When that was announced, I was like, yes. Oh, that's going to
0: be amazing. Oh, man. That, That and the shorts one. To me shorts are like the best and I agree. The, the, I, I love when they do like a just shorts event. Uh,
2: that's actually how I first got introduced to um Mystery Science Theater 3000 was their shorts cuz I um I, I kind of found it on my own. Like I just uh, I <laughs> I uh, read a lot of fan fiction in uh at the time. <laughs> and
1: uh, didn't like, we this all was, though?
2: Yes, this was this was when I was like much younger, and it kept referencing uh, Mr. Science Zero Three Thousand. I'm like, what is this? So I ha- so I basically tried to search for it, and I found not the whole episodes at the time, but the shorts. So and I just watched shorts and like uh like I would have uh sleepless nights just watching the shorts, and then after some finally. Wh- it was around the time YouTube started coming into play, and then I finally found full episodes, and was like, oh,
1: "Yes!" <laughs> so, do you do you remember the first short you ever watched? Um,
2: what was the first short I ever watched? I. Oh, man. That's a. Tr-
0: I, I remember what my first episode
1: is. I do too. I do too, actually.
2: Mine is um, uh, an alien in L.A.
1: Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, my first uh, still remains one of my favorites, though it's it's not one of the most popular episodes.
1: Uh huh.
0: But it remains one of my favorites because I started working at Renaissance Fairs, and they essentially filmed this movie at a Renaissance Fair and had all the background actors just be people from the Renaissance Fair. Huh, and that is uh, Quest of the Delta Knights. Oh,
1: oh. <laughs> my,
0: my! I've I've been to that fair. Oh my
1: gosh!
2: I I actually I actually got a funny story with an alien in L.A. as well. Um, uh, my mom, uh, despite basically living in Washington for most of her life, uh, had a summer where she worked in Santa Barbara and uh was helping out with kids and she told me how kathy ireland came and to like visit the camp and was surprised and i was like kathy ireland what was she doing there and she's like well apparently she was filming her movie or whatever i'm like wait what year was this and i actually looked up the year that my mom was there and then the year this movie was made and of course it's filmed in uh uh santa barbara so i was like oh shit She was working on an alien in LA. (laughs) Then met her my mom at the same time.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, So, I was gonna say my my the first MST three K I can really recall seeing clearly. um, And I always get the two mixed up. Uh, I think it was Earth versus the Spider.
0: Uh, That's a. That's a good
1: one. Yeah. Now, or it was the Giant Spider Invasion.
0: That That is another one of my favorites, actually.
1: Uh, which one was the one where the frequent joke was, Packers win the Super Bowl?
0: That's Giant Spider Invasion.
1: Then it was the Giant Spider Invasion. Okay, that was the okay. first one that I really recall seeing. I think it was on TV when I was younger, and I was like, what is this? And I watched it, and it was, it was amazing to me. For some reason, that... that that with them all <laughs> running and them screaming, Packers win the Super Bowl. That that was like the funniest thing in the world to me at the time. And I just watched the rest of it, and I was just, this is, this is great. This show is amazing.
0: Um, my favorite episode, probably, and I've had a lot of time to think about this, and I've put a lot of thought into it. Uh, is probably Hobgoblins.
1: Hobgoblins is fantastic. <laughs> I
2: love that episode so much. Like I can actually rewatch that over and over.
0: And uh, that sort of leads into what's going to be my big question for the night, uh, Mike or Joel?
2: You can't. It's you can't compare the two. There, uh, I, I consider them two completely different people.
0: And I get that, but I have my answer.
1: I have my answer as well.
0: Because he's who I started with, I have to go with Mike. Okay. Uh, and the other reason is I feel like Mike was Joel seemed more along for the ride than Mike did. Yeah. Where Mike Mike I felt was actually able to like get angry about the situation he was in. He was a little more venomous towards a bad film than Joel was.
1: That's a good point. Mike Yeah, I could see that. I'm kind of with Kayla on this one, in that it's hard to choose a definitive favorite. I tend to lead toward Joel myself. I don't know. There's something about his just. I love the fact that his the reason he's up there is because he's such a chill, laid back kind of guy. Um, and that,
0: and that's kind of why Mike is my favorite, actually, because I like the idea that the experiment actually got to Mike.
1: <laughs> See, for me it was the opposite. I like the idea that the Mads are trying to break Joel's mind and it doesn't work because he's just such a good-natured dude. And that's got to be a source of endless frustration for them. So here we stand tonight on the precipice of a new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes, we were recording this the night before uh, MST3K premieres. And this episode is going to be going up tomorrow. Welcome to... Mystery science theater 3000 analysis <laughs> <laughs> with our super, super long cold open involving us talking about the show.
2: By the way, by the way, despite the fact I don't have a favorite, uh, host or, uh, uh, uh I, or I don't think Mike or Joel is like better than the other. I do have a favorite crow and a favorite, um, uh, Servo, my see that
0: one's that one's actually harder for me to pick. Really, really,
2: yeah.
0: Um, I I like I like both Trace and Bill a lot.
2: I do too, but I I got to admit Trace is my favorite crow.
0: I uh, yeah I, I Kevin, I like Bill as but, well. But I mean Kev, Kevin I, is hands down the best Tom Servo. Oh oh
2: no doubt. I I I am sorry. Like God bless J Elvis Weinstein. I can't stand him as Tom Servo. It just, it, I I don't feel his voice is fitting at all, despite him being the original, where when I hear Kevin, it's like, he just has it perfectly.
0: Yeah. But I am happy one of my favorite comedians is going to be voicing Servo now, so that's cool.
2: Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, Baron Vaughn.
1: Oh, he's your, I didn't know he was one of your favorite comedians.
0: Yeah, Baron Vaughn is amazing. He's <laughs> um, a super funny dude.
1: We were at a convention not too long ago where we met... Um, actually, yeah, this was just recently. We, we bumped into, randomly, uh, Jonah Ray. And oh, nice. He's a super cool guy. Like, he's really nice. And we chatted with him for a little bit. And uh, he's, ex- he's excited but nervous because he knows he's taking on this huge legacy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I have to give him a lot of credit for that. I look forward to seeing how he performs. Um, Another weird fact is that uh, Kayla and I are actually friends with uh, the younger brother of the guy currently voicing Crow. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to our friend Henry. Uh, He uh, Hampton, who voices uh, and plays Crow in the new series, is his uh, older brother. So... Hmm.
0: That's a, weird, Interesting.
1: that's a weird degree of separation that we have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so clearly, it's just the three of us. It's me and Alan and Kayla. And uh, we are all love this show a lot. And we're all excited for its return. Um,
2: I, I don't think Dead Palate or Slime Beast really care.
1: Yeah. I, I have
0: an MST3K tattoo planned. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> I... Oh, okay. If you... He... Tell me about it, because I might consider getting one, and like having a shared tattoo with you on that one.
1: That would be really cool. I should get a yeah. gypsy tattoo. G-
2: David can do a spot-on gypsy. Richard Faisal! No, really, David can do a spot-on gypsy voice. It's frightening.
1: Joel! Servo! Crow! The mats are calling!
0: <laughs>
1: we weird, right?
0: It is, it is pretty weird.
1: Mama. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't come crying to me when you get us all killed. And so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, who's your favorite gypsy? Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, that was a trick question. So.
2: Well, hey, hey. Actually, they're actually getting a female uh, voice actress to play the new
1: gypsy. Wait, what? Really? Uh, yeah. I
2: I uh I followed uh, her on Twitter.
0: And secondly, hold the fucking phone, because Gypsy was Josh in season one. Uh, No, KTMA. KTMA, sorry. Uh, Josh and KTMA, Jim Mallon, season one through eight, and for the rest of the series was Patrick Brancic.
2: That's right. I forgot about that.
0: Well, there you Uh. go. So,
2: I just Don't fuck with it. me on
0: MST3K trivia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. That's I fair. have no life. Well, um, tonight, well, tonight we have some obscure MST3K because, obviously, here we are. We've spent the last I don't know how long talking about this show, and everyone's just like, what's the point, you guys? Well, obviously, you know, the, to honor the fact that we're all three giant nerds about this, and we're just going to drag you guys along for the ride, we're going to read a Mystery Science Theater creepypasta how do you do an mst3k creepypasta probably by way of a crappy lost episode
0: <laughs> oh this is barely a lost episode really um we we kind of uh, vetted this one really and if i remember correctly this isn't so much a lost episode as it is if i remember correctly uh a shitty creepypasta fan theory
1: No, this is a theory one? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, and this looks like a doozy, too. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So... You you ready for this? I'm ready. We got pasta side!
2: Television series Mystery Science Theater three thousand made its television debut in nineteen eighty eight on KTMA and quickly moved to Comedy Central, then known as the Comedy Channel, and found a larger audience with a cult like fan base.
1: Like us, right? Yep.
0: You know this explains except for, except for the larger audience thing.
1: Um... <laughs> hey, you know the Mysties are crawling out of the woodwork. I mean, look at how the new thing, uh, the new uh, series, got uh, funded.
2: Although, was, yeah, I I did actually did not know any Misty fans up until the day I met David, and then it was like holy shit that people know about the show other than me.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, and it wasn't just like people online that I'm like looking. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you're a Misty fan too. Oh, you're like 20 years older than me. Well, shit.
1: Guys, I'm outing myself right now. I'm as old as this show.
0: I I am only slightly older than this show.
2: (laughs) I'm a year younger than this show.
1: Now you know how old we all are. Uh, The show revolved around Joel Robinson as the host, who was the show's creator and his four robot companions, Joel had been launched into space aboard the satellite of love by mad scientist Dr. Clayton Forrester and his lackey, Dr. Lawrence Larry Earhart. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about Larry. Yeah.
2: Yes, Mr. Weinstein. <laughs> you
1: have to understand, the first season of Mystery of MST3K is still where they're finding their wings, uh, so uh, it's a little. But it long. gave us. Uh...
2: I'm not gonna lie. I can't. I can't stand going through that first season. It's just, I, I can't.
0: If, if you're looking for the silver lining in that se- series, and it is, and it is really rough, um, "Women of the Prehistoric Planet." Uh, that is. Oh yeah. That is. If you that that's that's a first season episode. If you want to get the gist of the first season, essentially. Um, that's that's the episode to do it with because it's, it's, a, it's a decent riff even though they're still kind of finding their legs.
1: Kayla, I think we have that on one of the Turkey Day collections we were
0: given.
2: Oh no, we definitely do. We should probably uh, watch that together. <laughs> we
0: should totally
1: watch that together.
0: Uh, Dr. Forrester. Uh, by the way, that episode is where one of the MST3K recurring jokes that con- continued throughout the entire series comes from. Uh, which is which is Haikiba? Oh,
1: Haikiba. Haikiba. Yeah,
0: that that movie has the first Haikiba. Nice. <laughs> um, What's
2: uh, which one was the one with the look at my crotch? <laughs> I don't
0: know. Um,
2: I, I I just kind of stumbled upon because I I saw the short and I just kind of stumbled upon and I don't even remember which. Um, episode it was and but it's still sticking my brain of them saying look 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 at my crotch look 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 at my
0: crotch (laughs) um um dr forrester had a plan to take over the world by submitting the earth's entire populace to the worst film that had ever been created the film would drive all witnesses insane or depress them to such a severe extent that Doctor Forrester would be able to conquer the world with
1: little to no resistance. It's a pretty and that,
2: mo- and that movie was called The Garbage Pale Kids.
1: <laughs> Too bad they never got to get to that one. Or, nope. Or Clay's plan might have succeeded. Um, here's here's what since we're on the subject of kind of on the subject still of running jokes. Um, what episode? This is a little bit of trivia, and we're just gonna sprinkle this through. Uh. What episode was the one that introduced Earth vs. Soup as Crow's epic ongoing screenplay that he's trying to present?
2: Oh, fuck.
1: I'm trying to remember which one that was.
0: Um...
2: I might... I, I'm gonna have to go... Oh, ah, ooh. ooh,
0: ooh. Uh, that was Earth vs. the Spider.
1: Oh!
2: Oh, that makes sense! <laughs>
1: Okay, Okay. there we go. Earth vs. soup.
2: Using Joel as his test subject, Dr. Forrester sent incredibly awful movies for Joel to watch on a weekly basis. While screening the film, Dr. Forrester and Larry would monitor Joel's mind for any signs of instability. So basically,
1: they're just telling you the premise in greater detail, but you could get all of this from the theme song.
2: (laughs) Which, lasts. Lo- shorter than the way we're presenting it. Oh, hell yes.
0: <laughs> you can get all that from the theme song, but if they knew the theme song well, they would not be coming up with creepy theories because it's just a show and you should really just relax.
1: You should really... The... All right, this pasta's already been rendered moot. Uh, what do, we do we want to give it our rating? <laughs> now? <laughs> uh, before each weekly movie experiment, Joel and Dr. Forrester would engage in an invention exchange as a secondary means to monitor Joel's mental health. Doctor Forrester's inventions were often more sinister and used to create more harm than good, while Joel's inventions were designed to aid other people or, at the very least, make them laugh. See, I think this is why I like Joel. You cannot—he is the—he is the perfect, in a lot of ways, he's the perfect test subject because this is designed to break the mind of even the most like docile and gentle Mister Rogers-esque individuals. And I dare say that Joel would eventually become a like. In his, in his old age, Joel Robinson would be a Mr. Rogers-type figure on Earth, even after this experience.
2: You know, it's interesting, because I'm reading this, and it says it, it was used as a means to monitor Joel's health, where I feel like uh, that Dr. Forrester is just doing this because he was jealous. I mean, this was proven uh, that Dr. Forrester was jealous of Joel just because he was a janitor, but built better inventions. Right. And basically I... it says invention to exchange. Is like, let's see who's the better person, shall we? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: That's, see, um, that's, again, that's why I like the premise of Joel, is because he just frustrates the Mads to no end. But I like the premise with Mike, because Mike is just an, is more of an average schmo, and he gets stuck up there. And yeah, you're right, Alan, the movies do get to him more. <laughs>
0: um, also, uh, it was an early season. <clears throat> I can't remember what the actual movie was, but I'm fairly certain Look at My Crotch came from the short The Home Economic Story.
2: Oh, no, I knew, I knew that. I just didn't know which episode.
0: Oh. I, I mean, I can Google that part, but oh. <laughs> I didn't know what episode it came from. Well, there we go.
1: Anyway. Anyway.
0: Uh, halfway through the show's run, Joel had left the series, leaving behind the robots and Mike Nelson as his replacement. Mike would remain as the show's host until its final season.
1: Until tomorrow. Right. Or that's how the show... Oh, never mind. Oh, wait, that's me? That's you. Or or
2: that's how the show's premise seemingly ended. Boom, boom, boom!
1: Is this where we're getting into creepy theory territory?
0: Well, given that the next line is the words...
1: The oh, theory. Well, there you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Note to self. Do not read creepypasta while blind. Okay. I'm using mental telepathy for this part.
0: Um, episode 317, Saga of the Viking Women and Their Voyage to the Waters of the Great Sea Serpent. Wow. That is the episode oh. that has the short... The home economics story.
2: I thought it was I thought it was during season one. Okay, I was wrong.
0: Nope. And it is a Roger Corman movie, so I oh, don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember this episode specifically, but I bet it's good. All
2: right. Well, it's Roger Corman. i I enjoy his work in general as a B movie fan, so. hmm So uh, who's next? It's me. It's me. Well, well,
1: strap on, Joel Robinson. Mm-mm. All right, I'll take it from here. Joel Robinson, a man from a small town and a small family, had been shy as a young child. I'm not going to do that the whole time.
0: Yeah, I can thought, you give, thank can you. you. Can you give me a Richard Basehart?
1: <laughs> Remind me, Richard Basehart.
0: Richard Basehart was the celebrity who who Gypsy was obsessed with, and often her lines were just his name. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Oh fuck. Can you give me a Richard Keel?
2: There you go. <laughs>
1: ooh,
2: ooh, ooh! Give me a Torgo for this
1: one.
0: I'm oh. Torgo. I take care of the place while the masters away. That's,
1: <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Uh, I, I
0: I do I do a hell of a Torgo. <laughs> I bet you that know. is a
1: good Torgo, damn.
0: <laughs> Despite... uh,
1: I'll take
2: the l- l- luggage.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Nerding Out Analysis. Um,
2: <laughs> okay, go, go this David, sorry.
1: so frustrating. Despite having a healthy childhood with both of his parents and a sister in his life, as he grew older, he began to distance himself from his small town home and became increasingly isolated from larger social groups. This is... Okay, so... Creepy pasta theories are weird when they delve into real people who are pretty well known. Yeah. So. I don't know.
0: Well, this is well, this is talking about Joel Robinson, not Joel. Oh, Hatterson. Joel
1: Robinson. Okay, yeah, I gotta remind myself. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, it's not actually. It's not talking about the actual Joel.
1: Okay. Good. But it's still, like, Joel, I I have a hard time distancing myself, distancing Joel Robinson from Joel Hodgson, just saying.
2: It it is kind of tricky, and then it makes it even more tricky because Mike Nelson is, well, Mike Nelson.
0: So, uh, I have to get this out of the way because we're talking about the specific episode it happens in. Okay. And it's my, it's one of my favorite, it's the most pure and innocent blooper I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh-huh. Uh, the the saga of the Viking women episode uh, has an opening segment which is just about how much Joel likes waffles. Oh, oh
2: yeah, I love yeah. this so much! It's so adorable. There's,
0: there's a blooper where he just walks into the scene with a yeah. plate full of waffles, and it's just, just chewing. For a long time. <laughs> and he goes and he goes pancakes, and he's like, "Oh man, I screwed it up."
2: And <laughs> you're all laughing, and I think you hear Kevin go, "You moron! <laughs>
1: it's it's, again this is why i love joel he's just he's just standing there with this really innocent smile on his face and he's just like pancakes oh i blew it
2: it's it's funny because i think david and i have quoted that to each other like when we've been at a denny's or something
1: like i'll get caleb will get waffles and i'll look at it i'll go like pancakes oh i blew it (laughs) yeah Joel, Mike, Mike is Mike is 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 a is a wonderful and hard bitten individual who will carry us through with a you know we, we suffer mutually with him. But Joel is a sweet cinnamon roll too pure for this world.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the actually the one thing that David and I will do based off the one of the blue purses, um, if we're like just chilling out and then all of a sudden, uh, he either he or I will like kiss. Kiss each other's shoulder or kiss a shoulder, then <laughs> the other would say, "Later, later."
0: <laughs> but <laughs> like, I mean, like, I, I know, a- I know it's, I know it's not Mike who says it, but the most Mike riff that has ever happened uh, happened in Time Chasers, which is "Go to hell, citizens of Rutland, Vermont." <laughs> 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 uh, okay, who's
2: next?
1: I think it's you, Alan. Sure. Uh, He had
0: always had an interest and gift in tinkering with scraps and being able to reshape the material into new gadgets or toys. His only constant companion was his pet turtle, and he would leave his TV set on all day long. The various TV shows created a peaceful white noise while he worked and helped him gain a sense of social understanding without having to try to forge uncomfortable
1: friendships. Okay. Aww. So, Again,
2: cinnamon roll to Peter for this world.
1: You know, not a bad if if it stopped there. It's not a bad proposed uh, backstory. Yeah. Like for Wait. why Joel is such a is so soft spoken and 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 peaceful while he has a, a wealth of pop culture knowledge.
2: I I love the fact that he, it says his only constant companion was a pet turtle, and I'm wondering if that's a reference to Timmy.
0: Wait, not Timmy. 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 It is Timmy. Tippy. Tippy.
2: Tippy. Wait. Tippy. Tippy. Fuck. Yes. Because uh, here's it, yeah, it's Tippy, and then Timmy is Crow's evil alter ego. Yes. <laughs> well,
1: I was gonna, I was gonna say I, I would hope that he named the turtle Gamera, but you know.
0: Well, it, it was from the episode Gamera, the the t- t- Tippy the turtle. Oh yes. yeah,
2: that's right. Because remember, because remember, um, uh, Servo sings a song to Tibby.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. God, that's I. It's been a while. Wow, I'm I'm showing my. I, I feel we right. have
0: read we have read so little of this story. Yeah,
1: there's a
2: lot yes. of this. <laughs> okay, okay. Here we all, How about this? We'll do one round before continuing to
1: before banter. Okay, let's yeah. do that.
2: Okay, so who's?
1: It's it, I, it's, it's me. It's you. It's you.
2: Spending most of his time alone building and designing, Joel had weak ties to his home community and family.
1: Moving away from his small town, Joel was hired as a janitor and hopeful future intern at Gizmonic Institute. Initially Joel had been overlooked as a potential candidate as an inventor or industrialist, but soon became familiar with the ever eccentric scientist Dr. Clayton Forrester and his assistant Larry.
0: Despite his natural independence, Joel slowly became lonely, seeking companionship and harboring a secret desire for a family of his own. Aww.
2: Aww. actually, again, he's a cinnamon roll too pure for this world. Uh, Joel began spending his days in the absolute basement of Gizmonic Institute, known as Deep 13, attempting to gain favor with Dr. Forrester. While Dr. Forrester was considered eccentric. Larry was considered crazy and didn't like the idea of Joel becoming friends with Dr. Forrester. No. 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 Okay. Yeah,
1: this is fan fiction territory now for sure. Oh, yeah. I can never, like, no. Because I can't
2: imagine Larry being like that.
1: I also can't imagine Joel trying to become friends with Dr. Forrester. That too. I'm,
0: I'm gonna guess it theorizes later. Um... Well, we'll see.
1: We'll see. I have a theory
0: where th- I have a theory where this is going already.
1: Okay, I just you know the impression I always got was that Joel was just like a cool I have guy. A people. I have a theory.
0: without reading ahead. Okay, I'm ready. We're, we're going to get into a fan theory staple, which is going to be a coma.
1: No, please no. Oh, please no. Please No. Okay okay i'm just saying i always assumed that joel was just well liked by everybody and he was you know just doing I... his thing at the surface and not trying too hard meanwhile clayton was at uh, clayton forrester is is relegated to the basement of deep 13 working on his experiments and sees joel as this beautiful ray of sunshine and just fu- and just friggin hates hates him
2: i because I, I just say uh, in because I'm like thinking of the song, like, uh, not too different from you or me. He's just an average, normal guy. He worked at a Kismonic Institute, just another face in the red jumpsuit. He did a good job cleaning up the place. Yeah, he was just Are a regular sh- guy. Just didn't join his life. He made good inventions. Have you noticed uh, Dr- how happy
1: Joel seemed working there, though?
2: Yeah, because you see him. I think <laughs> the funny part. Here's the funny part. I don't imagine him, like, being the most. Like, I don't imagine, like, that. The reason why people liked him was because he was just
1: friendly or
2: because I mean,
1: no, he did a good job cleaning up the place and we're thinking about this too hard. We're disobeying the theme song. So.
2: Yeah. And then I think Dr. Forrester was just jealous of him and sent him up in the space. I can actually, but here's the thing. I can understand the whole, like keeping to himself doesn't really make much friends because then it makes sense when he be makes like the robots.
1: Right. Okay. Okay.
0: One day, while Joel was on board the newly constructed satellite of Love, cleaning the satellite's interior, Larry tried to launch the satellite with Joel still on board. But there was a fatal flaw with the launch sequence, and the satellite exploded before it left the launch pad.
1: Ah, uh, damn it! yeah, I think I think you called it, Alan. I think you called it
0: let's let's see.
1: Okay. Joel survived the
2: explosion but just barely. Joel arrived at the hospital in a deep coma. Oh no. Just his, his injuries were devastating. He had broken all the bones in his right hand, both legs and several ribs. The explosion also caused considerable internal damage to his organs. But why? When does this happen? Why again, what's the point?
0: Uh, that he fantasizes the TV show is where we're going with this.
1: But but, but then
2: read the next one. Read the next part, David.
1: After the accident, Joel was replaced by a temp worker who had turned full-time by the name of Mike Nelson.
0: Wow. Dr. Forrester would talk about Joel's accident as a cautionary tale for being meticulous with work details, which made him sound like a jerk from time to time. But Mike became fascinated by the legend of Joel Robinson. But here's
2: the thing. The reason why the Satellite of Love exists is so that it's a place that they can keep Joel, or, and later on Mike Nelson, so he can't escape. Why the fuck is does it exist if Dr. Forrester is not doing this whole movie thing?
0: It was just a the satellite they had.
2: Just a fucking satellite they had for, you know... Uh,
0: this is a... okay. You know, you know how you make a satellite and keep it around?
2: Sure. And then why call it the Satellite of Love? That, wasn't that a name that was given uh, by Joel and the bots? Uh, at, at, like, they actually called it that as a reference to the song?
0: I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't remember who named it after the Lou, Lou Reed song. Um...
2: Because I can't imagine Doctor Forrest just saying, "We're gonna call it the Satellite I Love." I could see Joel calling it that, but
1: uh, there's still so much more of this. What the fuck? Wait, I, I have a fundamental problem with these, like, with some of these theory. Oh, it gets, anyway. It's but... longer,
2: Jesus. Well,
1: let, let's power through a bunch of it and then talk about it when we get to yeah. the end. Okay. I think I think you're up, Kayla. These are short okay. Which one, which one is it?
2: Uh, I, in the coma. Uh, fuck, fuck. In the coma, Joel began to dream about an alternate reality where the satellite of love had made it into orbit, and that he had be had been unharmed during the launch. Oh boy. Using his skill, using his skills and tinkering, Joel took bits and parts from the satellite to build four robotic companions to keep him company during his isolation. Are we just gonna recall the fucking?
1: the first robot built was called gypsy gypsy was the name of his pet turtle and she controlled the higher functions of the satellite so joel wouldn't have to she would control the oxygen levels and the heat shields on joel's behalf
0: the second robot built was called crow crow's appearance was more human than the other robots his personality reflected joel's sarcastic and witty sense of humor that he often kept hidden away from the world Crow's voice also... <laughs> okay, that's actually kind ca- of... Okay, that's
2: kind I'm not going to lie. That's
1: actually kind of clever.
0: Crow's voice also bore a resemblance to the voice of Dr. Forrester.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll, I'll concur. That's not that's not terrible.
2: The third robot was called Tom Servo. Tom's appearance seemed to be the composition of the many different toys Joel had either played with as a child or built as a teenager. Thomas personality reflected Joel's more cultured nature and, and, and interest. At his first, his voice ba- briefly reflected Larry's, but that changed after the first year of the coma. Because that's how comas work, right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That, that concept that concept jumped the shark with this paragraph.
1: The final robot Joel built was Cambot. Cambot was a silent link between Joel in orbit and Dr. Forrester back in Deep 13.
0: But yeah, the, the, the concept of Crow's voice bore a resemblance to the voice of Dr. Forrester, was clever, but then they immediately jumped the shark with that concept in the next paragraph. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah. Larry,
0: that changed after the first year of the coma. Jesus. Aside from the robots, Joel would randomly be addressed by a separate, unseen entity that he referred to as Magic Voice. Her voice was calm, gentle, and always seemed to be aware of everything that was happening in Joel's world.
2: Back in the hospital, several nurses were constantly tending to Joel's injuries. She would keep the oxygen... I like how suddenly several nurses just became one entity known as she. She would keep the oxygen mask in place and soothe the constant fevers that rampaged Joel's infected injuries. From time to time, she would randomly speak to Joel. Trying to give him a bridge between reality and fantasy. Uh,
0: <clears throat> oh boy. I,
1: I'm not a big fan of these coma theory pastas. Just, I really am not. I'm just, I'll explain why when we get toward the end. Uh, so Doctor, all the, all these, mur- all these nurses were, all of these nurses were magic boys.
2: Apparently, okay. it, apparently, and apparently, several nurses just became one woman.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I guess that makes oh, sense in wait. his head.
2: Well, uh, but, well, then again, Magic Voice was voiced by many different women.
0: Is it wait? Is it is it Magic Voice or is it Gypsy? Because Gypsy, well, Gypsy is the one who control the oxygen levels, and the nurses are the one who keep the oxygen mask in place and soothe the constant fevers so Gypsy is the nurses because she was responsible for the oxygen levels and heat shields
1: the heat shields is the fever that's
2: right yeah because she managed the ship that's why she never joined in on well well, she joined in once but left immediately after 10 minutes
0: and uh, Gypsy had three different voice actors which is why uh, it is several nurses
1: but they were, okay. and they were all, so, oh, the, the funny thing is, realizing this, it says she, but I like to think that they were all male nurses who just talked to him like, Joel, can you hear me in there? Joel? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yes, the, the oxygen mask and the constant fevers, that is the controlling the oxygen and the heat shields. So Gypsy is the nurses.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Doctor uh, Forrester would visit on a weekly basis and talk to Joel about his latest projects back at Kismonic Institute. Sometimes Mike would stop by as a sign of respect, but more out of his own curiosity. Why? Okay, sure. Whatever. Well,
0: Mike. Well, Mike was on the show before he was a host. He oh, did okay. Se- he did several bit parts.
1: He oh, was yeah. Tor. Yeah, he, yeah, he was Torgo.
2: Yeah, remember? Because he, he was the head writer for before he actually became I hate a host. That
0: I- uh, by the way, me filling in the blanks is not me defending the story at all. By the way, oh, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. no. <laughs> we we understand what this is trying to like kind of do. It doesn't make it any less stupid, in my opinion. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, my turn. Actually, I think it's Alan. Oh, okay. Um the
0: blip blip during these visits. Sure. Uh <laughs> Dr. Forrester would turn on the TV and find the movie of the week, so Joel would always have a speaking voice to him even after he left.
1: And the movie of the week was always the, one of the shittiest movies in existence. <laughs>
2: Joel had seen many movies, seen many of the movies as a small child, but was too young to understand what was going on. As the movies played in the hospital, the memories from Joel's childhood would return, and as would trivial information about the films in general. As an adult, Joel would mock the tacky, would mock the tacky, the film plots, <laughs> and acting with Crow and Tom, reflecting different senses of humor in the process. I like the fact that all of these movies are all oh, that he just happened to have watched as a child were all really sh- and actually it's even funnier because like uh, this it started in nineteen eighty eight and they would actually start to watch more recent films as they go later down the line so
1: Yeah. That's true. uh, <laughs> uh Mike often wondered what Joel was seeing, dreaming, feeling and thinking during his coma. On occasion, Mike would imitate a character from the playing movie just to see if he could somehow make Joel laugh. Ah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah, you called it. This is is just to show how flimsy the story is, because we already saw every twist coming.
0: Yeah, no, uh, the fact that I see every twist coming as a fan of the show... Means I probably could have farted this story out.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you absolutely could have. And you probably would have written it better, too. Well,
1: clearly this story was written by a fan, too. Yeah. And so, Uh, props to you, writer, because we appreciate you as a fan. But, well, theory posters are just kind of old and not that great in general, in my opinion. So,
0: eh. Larry would visit as well. And he... And he would, until an investigation proved that Larry was responsible for the explosion. Larry was probably arrested and locked up. But Dr. Forrester didn't tell Joel what had happened to Larry. He didn't want Joel to know that Larry was the person responsible for Joel's accident. So as far as Joel knows, Larry just disappeared for no reason. <laughs> I mean, as a story, this doesn't work. But I, I am getting a giggle at some of the... Uh, yeah, yeah. As, as a fan, I'm getting a giggle from this story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're trying to uh, explain why for no for no explicable reason there was no more Larry and suddenly there was TV's Frank, you know? Yeah. Uh...
2: Uh, my turn? Yes. The doctor responsible for Joel's care had an incredibly broad education and sense of humor. After treating Joel for a year, Joel I'll replace Tom Servo's voice from Larry's to that of the doctor after two years. Dr. Murphy. So,
1: Dr. Murphy reporting.
2: Paging paging Dr. Murphy.
1: <laughs> paging Dr. Corbett. Dr. Murphy, Dr. Corbett.
0: <laughs> <sighs>
1: um, you know what's weird? It's like, the doctor responsible for Joel's care had an incredibly broad education in and sense of humor. Um, so did the doctor just come in and just constantly tell jokes to the un- to the comatose Joel? Is that what happened? Yeah. That's, okay. People sure like to pay attention to comatose Joel. Just saying. For five and a half years, Dr. Forrester, with his new assistant Frank, stopped by the hospital every week and spent a few hours with Joel. Dr. Forrester was the only emergency contact on Joel's record and was responsible for all medical decisions to be made on Joel's behalf
2: that's odd
1: okay well he befriended dr Forrester in this timeline like they were actually like (laughs) oh now we've established that
2: now here's a question if well oh well this was during mike nelson's time but in later on we'll probably figure this out how that why the hell did joel imagine uh Doctor Forster going I'm a naughty boy. I'm a naughty naughty boy <laughs> I was speaking as fast. Why that was, was this part of his coma?
1: I don't know, but that was when Mike was the host.
2: Yeah, that's why I was thinking
1: how did, yeah. I wonder how this will play. Is the twist like, going to be that Mike is trades coma spaces with Joel? Um All
0: right. Is it me?
1: Yes, it's you. Yeah.
0: Um after years? Yes. After years of being on like Oh, god damn it. After years of being on life support and dialysis for his failing kidneys, Joel finally received the life-saving kidney transplant. The donor was Mike Nelson.
1: <laughs> this no, next this next paragraph. <laughs>
2: Shortly after the transplant, Joel began to rouse from the coma, but tragically there was a complication during the procedure. Mike had a poor reaction to the anesthetic during the surgery, and he, too, ended up in a coma afterwards. And for some reason, he took on the exact same fucking coma dream that Joel did.
1: (laughs) Mike's mind had drifted to the same plane of existence as Joel's had during his (laughs) own coma because they cocked him on the noggin and they shot him into space.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you why see? is it that Mike's coma? The was okay. the
1: problem. Now,
2: uh, now I have to reword my question. Why does Mike's coma include Doctor Forrester spanking his ass and saying, <laughs> "I'm a naughty boy"?
0: <laughs> However, unlike Joel, Mike's social as- isolation stemmed from a fractured home. His Bull parents were st- his parents were strict, and his older brother was an angry bully. ...that constantly berated Mike. Bullshit! Well, uh, we have seen Mike's brother on the show. Oh, that's right. Uh, He ended up on the satellite... um, ...when Crow traveled back in time to warn Mike not to accept a job on the Satellite of Love. Um, Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't remember his name specifically, but he was like a chain-smoking tough guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Eddie. His name was Eddie.
2: Yeah, but even so, it's... Time
0: Eddie. Time Chasers. Great episode. Oh, that Watch was it. a good episode. Um,
2: oh, yeah, I love that one.
0: Um, Mike was close with his grandmother, but her senility made it difficult for Mike to maintain a healthy relationship.
2: Okay, the reason I keep saying bullshit over and over, Mike is basically the all-American teddy bear big brother boy. I see, I can understand Joel being more, like, withdrawn. Mike is much more friendlier and warmer. So, how the, I can, to, for them to say, oh, he's socially isolated is kind of bullshit. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, kind of. Though, <laughs> so, uh, he, he apparently can be very mean in real life because apparently he has issues with headaches.
1: Yeah.
0: I read a story that was an incident uh, and it's uh, Mike, Mike's had a history of making fun of uh, the host of inside the actor's studio. What is his name?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't watch that shit.
0: I'm, I'm Googling it very quickly because I love this story so much. Um, James Lipton. He has a history of making fun of James Lipton because uh, at some event Mike was having a huge, he- a huge headache. James Lipton came up to him and asked him one of his questions from his, uh, the thing he asks uh, people, and he said, "What is one of, what's, what's your favorite swear word?" And Mike Nelson said, "Well, right now I have to say it's go to hell, Mr. Lipton."
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh that's good. Anyway. Yeah, who, who Uh
0: special you... thanks by the way to the four people who are going to listen to and understand this episode of Undercooked Out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> To everyone else. Um don't worry. We'll return to your regularly scheduled uh, forensic uh, uh in on Tuesday, I promise you. But please uh, just
2: give give these boys this just Let give them, them...
1: I mean, not the story, but just the chance to geek out and have fun. Let us have this, just this once. Let us have this, this time to geek out about Mr. You ask so
0: much of us, you assholes. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's
1: not a, it's not where I meant to go with that. Um, you, yeah, wow, Alan. Maybe are, are you okay? Are you sure you're it, mentally not project? You're mentally sound and not projecting a broken home with an angry older brother. And just it's, just it's,
0: repeat to myself, it's just a podcast. I should really just relax.
1: Yes.
2: Um. Which I feel like this is. I, I was gonna wait till the end of this, I, but and say what's the point of all this? And I would just say, just repeat to yourself, it's just a show, and you really should relax.
0: <laughs> where are we in this story? <laughs> yeah, I have where no the hell idea? are we?
2: Uh, uh oh, broken home. That's right. Uh, out of is it me or yes. out of Gilton's so, sense of responsibility. Dr. Forrester and Frank would visit Mike, just as they had done for Joel.
1: Tragedy struck again when after a year and a half, Frank suffered a fatal heart attack. Jesus. (laughs) Oh man. Dr. Forrester's health in turn began to rate a raid decline from all of the emotional and mental anguish he had endured since the day of the accident. That's not, that's not a, that wasn't me misspeaking. It says a raid decline.
0: Uh, yep. Damn. One year after Frank had passed away, Dr. Forrester died in his sleep from a heart attack of his own.
2: A neural specialist had become a frequent voice in Mike's ear, and Mike replaced Dr. Forrester's voice of that of his new doctor, paging Dr. Corbett. Dr. Corbett. (laughs)
1: Shortly after Mike contracted... Shortly after, Mike contracted a series
0: Oh, oh, Wait. No, <laughs> he's a neural specialist. He's brain guy.
1: Oh! <laughs> Damn it!
0: So he's brain guy and the new crow.
1: Wow.
2: Bravo. <gasps> okay, that's kind of clever. That is you know, kind of despite,
1: despite how ridiculous this is, some of these, some of these gag some of these like connections are pretty, are pretty funny, and fans of the yeah. show appreciate that. Shortly after Mike, con- shortly after. Uh, Mike contracted a serious infection and gone into cardiac arrest. Despite the odds against him, the doctors were able to revive him, but the damage to his body had been done.
2: In the wait, Wait, that's you. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. In the coma, Mike and the bots had been sent adrift through the universe and were willing to accept death. After Mike was revived, he and the robots returned to their ethereal plane of existence, but time itself had become an illusion.
1: Somewhere in
2: And that's time and when they entered space. what was called. They entered what was called the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. Back in the real world, Pearl Forrester, Doctor Forrester's mother, was touched by her son's only self, her only son's selfless act and dedication to being the emergency contact for both Joel and Mike. After Doctor Forrester. After step, Pearl began, became Mike's medical proxy and she began visiting Mike, but soon Mike's once stable condition began to fall.
1: After a total of four and a half years, Mike con- Mike's condition was deemed grave. If he did survive, he'd be a vegetable, unable to move or communicate, merely exist.
2: Pearl made contact with Joel, who had finally recovered from his own injuries. Wait, fuck. Why am I doing this? Sorry.
0: Pearl made contact with Joel, who had finally recovered from his own injuries. Joel returned to the hospital to thank Mike for his sacrifice and to say goodbye before Pearl gave the doctor his permission to pull the plug. In, mm.
2: In the coma, Mike and the robots were still trapped aboard the Satellite of Love as the satellite began falling out of orbit and burning up upon re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere.
1: Back in the hospital, Pearl comforted Mike and encouraged him to let it go as his body began failing without, a life su- without the life support system to keep him alive.
0: After Mike's body died, his mind <laughs> lived on.
1: How the fuck that happened, I have no idea. Because he, he had the brain that wouldn't die? Hey! Oh my god. And wait. Which, by the Hang way, on. was Mike's first episode. As the host.
2: (gasps) That's right!
0: (laughs) Okay. This has all been actually kind of (laughs) clever. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to wrap it up?
2: Yeah. Through his eternal dream, Mike returned to the safety and comfort of his apartment with Crow and Tom, Servo at his side.
1: Mike crossed over to the other side without knowing that he was actually dead. They repeated to him, it was just a show. You should really just relax. That no, really.
2: It. Really, you should relax.
1: Just relax. Whew. Okay, so. Um, credit. Oh, the original. Oh, and the credit to Wayward Wanderer is the name of the writer.
2: I got to admit. Um, as a Okay, it is still a theory, and the theory is still, like, oh, God. But there's a couple of clever, like, moments between the two things. Like, again, his brain lived on, and then the brain that wouldn't die, I was like, oh, damn, that's a good one. Or, like, Crow's uh, voice.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but my, I have a problem in general with a lot of these, like, coma theory pastas. Um... Because I just don't find them that compelling in general. Because the idea that something is all a dream, I don't find that horrifying. You know?
2: Well, it's a very depressing. old trope.
1: Right, yeah. But I mean, it's, that's not even the trope thing, though. It's just like, why can't this thing just be the thing that happened? It's like, look, I'm, I'm trying. Look at me being. It's, sometimes it feels a little bit like, look at me being edgy by saying, you see all this cool stuff that happened? Well, I'm going to explain this as things that happened that were really sad during this person's coma. See, like, see there's, the and one that's about, the... there's the one about um, there's that one about Ash after getting struck by lightning in the first episode he was in a coma and the rest of Pokemon yeah. is him in a coma having these weird experiences. I'm like, eh... Uh, I could but, believe
2: and, that. I, and I think the thing that uh, it, well, I mean... You mentioned that the jumping the shark part was uh, uh, the one about Larry. Uh, but <laughs> in my honest opinion, I think the jumping the shark part was... Mike took on the realm that Joel was in during his coma. Yeah, that's...
0: I <laughs> it's it like... It, yeah.
2: I mean, the purpose of the coma is to make it feel more realistic. And let's face it, that, that just... It's like that's just as ridiculous as the rest of the show. So, but at least the show is a lot more fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it had a, it had its clever moments, but I mean, it's it's exactly it's it's a fan theory story.
1: Yeah, it's just a, it's a fan theory story and I don't care much for the coma fan theory stories for reasons I already stated. So, um, for what for what it's worth, I think it's a fun. I think I we had I, I enjoyed the parts where they were like trying to explain in reality what why it influenced this strange world the way it is, and I thought okay, that's kind of cool. I like that this is very aware th- of the mythos. Yeah,
2: I, I think you the reason enjoy that is because we are fans, and I think you got to appreciate it for. The fan, this writer is
1: right. Um yeah. I guess again, my only qualm is again, if you're wondering how he eats and breathes and other science facts, well, you know the rest. Yep. So, to yourself, it's just a show. It's just you a show. Really just relax. Just relax. Either way, though, because um, I'm I I just. Hmm. It wasn't terribly long. I think we would have actually breezed through this a lot quickly, a lot quicker if we weren't talking about stuff all the way through it. So, sorry, everyone. Um, I hope the banter was at least marginally entertaining. Um, as I said, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming on Tuesday. I'm also sorry this wasn't a patrons uh, poison edition for Friday, but um, for that Wait, we want to make sure... Essentially,
0: to... the... Yeah, also, essentially, Happy Happy is kind of a huge patron's poison.
1: Yeah, because every... uh, Yes, exactly. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, If all goes well, next Friday, we will have a proper patron's poison for you. And everybody, thank you all for sending in your your entries uh, so far, because we've got quite a few. We have a lot to work through, and uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, But uh, in the meantime, though, uh, how do we want to rate History Science Theater 3000 Limbo? Like, uh, let's give it our usual freshness rating or a whatever out of whatever undercut rating. Um, this
2: is a pancakes. Oh, I blew it out of waffles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, I love you. I love you too, sweetie. This is...
0: Um... Trying to think of a good way to say this. Um, this is a uh, this is a bad pizza because even a bad pizza is pizza.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I um, like,
2: you still fair. like it's it's kind of like you're still eating it because you like pizza. But if if I'm
0: if I'm standing in a bad. if if I'm in a room full of people and we're all eating this pizza, I like pizza enough, and in the case of this story being pizza being MST3K, that everyone else could not be enjoy it, and I'd be like, hey dude, it's pizza.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks for the free pizza, man.
1: It's still free pizza. Yeah. Um, in terms of freshness Um, I will give this A TV dinner Found stuck to Mr. Bobo's fur (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, and Uh, I guess that means that the general Consensus is It stinks (laughs) Message from Ray Gun Readers Okay, try it now now? Okay, move over People of Earth I am a
1: and I'm Paprika.
0: We have crash landed on a moon in your solar system. You crashed system. us. I wasn't Shut driving. up. I'm on the phone, and we'll maintain this frequency while repairs are made. Which
1: could take a while, so we decided to read some science fiction while we wait.
0: If you crave imaginative stories, intelligent discussion, and comedic banter, be sure to tune in each week
1: here on Benview or on YouTube at Raygun Readers.
0: Until we speak again, farewell and safe Why travels. Why are you doing that stupid it's voice? It's not stupid. You're stupid and insubordinate. You
1: don't rank me.